My name's John Redmond from First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and I don't know where you might be today or what you might be going through, but I don't believe it's an accident that you're listening to this program. And I just pray that as we listen to this sermon today, that you will be encouraged, that you will be edified, and that you will be drawn into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the sermon. I don't know about you, but I am not a technological person, and I even took a long time before I broke down and got an iPhone. In fact, I didn't get this phone until 2014. I thought the one I had was fine. If you want to send somebody a text, you just mash those numbers three or four times, and then that right letter would pop up. But finally, I got an iPhone, and when I did, I thought, well, it's a bigger screen. It'll be easier to use. It'll be easier to text with, had no idea at that time everything that this phone will do. It will take pictures. It will give you directions. It ha- you can have unlimited access to the internet. In fact, I remember one night I got home from church and I got to playing around on my phone and I decided that I would take an IQ test. Have any of you ever done that? And it had 20 questions and they gave you 20 minutes to take the test. And so I was going through that test and just going to see how, you know, if I was smart or not. That's what I was trying to figure out. And I got finished with it. And finished, when I got finished with question 20, I knew that I was not as smart as I thought I was because it said, to receive your test results, please enter your credit card number right now. I thought, I'm not as smart as I thought I was because I wasted 20 minutes. My point is, the longer I keep this phone, the more I learn about it. In fact, there's still many features about this phone that I'm not familiar with, things about this phone that I don't understand, and maybe if I keep it long enough and and, uh, learn more about it, then I'll get full use out of this phone. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, Jesus is a lot like this phone. And that is, when we first got saved, we just knew Jesus as our Savior, right? We knew our sins were forgiven. As the choir sang, we knew that we were not guilty. We knew we were going to heaven when we die. But that's about all we knew. But as time passes, we learn that there's so much more to Jesus. It's just like that phone. The longer you keep that phone, the more things you find out it's able to do. The longer you go on with Jesus, the longer you walk with Him, the more you discover what you have in Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us to think about tonight. So if you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 8, this is the second of a seven-part series of sermons on the I Am statements of Jesus. And we began this last Sunday night thinking about the fact that in the Gospel of John, in seven, on seven separate occasions, Jesus said, I am, identifying himself as God in the flesh, and then he attached to that I am a metaphor to help us better understand who he is. And as we saw last Sunday night, Jesus is the bread of life. And tonight we study the second of these statements where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, if you want to just write a couple of things down at the top of your outline tonight to kind of get us caught up to speed and ready to go. As we think about Jesus being the bread of life, that tells us that Jesus satisfies, that he meets our deepest needs. He satisfies us. Now, tonight, as we think about Jesus being the light of the world, we discover that not only does Jesus satisfy us, but Jesus brightens up our life. In other words, there's something about 
Jesus. There's something about having a relationship with Him that will brighten up your life, that will enhance your life, and in every way make your life better. And so tonight, we're thinking about the fact that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. John chapter 8 and verse number 12. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And so he identifies himself as the light of the world. He is the one who brightens things up, who helps us understand the way that we should go. And so what I want to do in this message tonight is try to answer three questions. First of all, what does it mean to walk in the light? Jesus said, if you follow me, you'll not walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. What does that mean? And then secondly, what are some benefits to walking in the light? In other words, if you decide after hearing this message that you want to walk more in the light than you have up until this point, what, what can you expect positively to happen in your life? And then thirdly tonight, I want us to think at the very end, how do we go about doing that? How can we walk in the light closer to Jesus maybe than we've ever been so that we can have all these benefits in our lives. And so first of all, first question, what does it mean to walk in the light? And I want you just to think about this very simple answer I've given to that question. To walk in the light is to have a relationship with Jesus that is so real that it changes everything about your life. Now, I want to say that again. To walk in the light is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is so real that it changes everything about your life. It changes your attitude, changes your actions, changes your overall approach to life. In other words, a person who is walking in the light is so closely identified with Jesus. Jesus is so real to that person that he has changed, for all practical purposes, everything about that person's life. May not have changed all their circumstances, probably he hasn't done that, but he changes our approach and our outlook and how we even think about some of our circumstances. So what are the benefits? If, if you and I have that, if Jesus becomes to us more than just our Savior, more than just the one who forgives us of our sins and takes us to heaven one day, but if he becomes uh, our very light and our very life, what can we expect to be some of the benefits of that. And so I want to just mention five things tonight by way of benefits. And I don't really want to get bogged down on any of these because where I really want to focus on tonight, and it won't take me long, but when we come to that third question, how can we walk in the light? I think my heart tonight is more on that point even than it is the first two. But nonetheless, let me mention five things that you can expect to happen in your life if Jesus becomes so real to you that you allow him to change everything about your life. Number one, there's going to be less sin in your life. Be less sin. I mean, common sense tells us that if Jesus were in the flesh with us, in other words, if, if I could just look out and see Jesus from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, I sure would sin less. Because I would be embarrassed in the presence of Jesus to say something or to do something or to even think something that wouldn't be right. And so if we have a relationship with him that is so real that it's changing everything about our life, first thing it's going to change is that we're going to sin less. Now, it's interesting in John chapter 8 verse 12 where Jesus said, I'm the light 
of the world, if you study the context of that, it's coming off of, those, of that passage of Scripture where Jesus is forgiving this adulterous woman. And I thought my dad was going to preach on that this morning, and I was going to preach on verse 12 tonight, and I, I thought, won't that be perfect timing? And then he messed everything up by preaching on a different verse. But he's going to preach on this next Sunday morning, but you're familiar with the story about how here this lady, and she's caught in the act of adultery, and so the religious leaders, they catch her, and they bring her to Jesus. Always been interesting to me, they didn't bring the man to Jesus. Can't commit adultery by yourself. Makes you think that the fellow was one of their friends. And so they just brought this lady to Jesus and said, the law says you should stone her. Have you ever noticed that legalism is selective in who it condemns? In other words, a legalistic person only throws stones at somebody that he doesn't really like to begin with. But if it's one of his friends, or certainly if it's himself, he's not going to apply the same strictness that he would to somebody. So here these religious leaders come with this lady caught in the act of adultery for the purpose of testing Jesus. And they said to Jesus, here, Lord, she was, she was caught in the act of adultery. And it says in the Old Testament that she should be stoned. And so they were trying to see if he was going to uphold the Old Testament law. And Jesus said, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And of course, Jesus getting down on the ground, writing out things, and we're not sure what, I guess Dad can explain next week, what was Jesus writing when he got down there on the ground? We don't know for sure, but evidently it was something that convicted them, because when they saw what Jesus was writing, they began to drop their stones, and they began to walk off, and nobody threw a stone at her, and Jesus forgave the lady. It's a beautiful story how grace uh, is greater than all of our sin. And then in verse 11, Jesus said these words to this lady, neither do I condemn you. Now watch this next phrase. Go and sin no more. Say that part with me. Go and sin no more. So he's saying that, lady, you're forgiven for everything you've done wrong. I'm never going to bring, not holding that against you. It's just like it never happened. But going forward, don't do it again. Go and sin no more. Now, it's interesting to me that in the very next verse, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. In other words, it's almost like he's telling this lady how not to sin. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So in 11, verse 11, go and sin no more. In verse 12, here's how not to sin anymore. Follow me. I'm the light of the world. And what Jesus is saying is, if you stay close enough to me, you're not going to want to sin because it would embarrass you and make you feel uh, very terrible if you did that right, right in front of Jesus. So first thing we can expect if we'll walk in the light is to have less sin in our life. The second thing we can expect is less confusion. In other words, if you walk in the light, as, and that is you're just walking closely to Jesus, it, life somehow is going to be clearer to you. And when you're making decisions, it's going to be easier to make decisions. And you're going to look at a situation and you're going to say, well, you know what? I, think, I know that I should do this because you're in the light. And what does light do? Well, it just brightens things up. And when you get home tonight, what's the first thing you're probably going to do when you walk in your house? You're going to flip the lights on so you can see better. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Turn the lights on so you can see. Light makes it easier to see. Well, same thing naturally that happens with light happens spiritually with Jesus when we have a relationship with Him that is so real that it changes everything about us, all of a sudden, the decision-making process becomes easier. Things become clearer to us. And even things that happen in our life that we don't understand, 
even that is clear in the sense that we're able to see it and say, God's in control. God allowed this into my life. Don't know why he allowed it, but he did allow it. So I'm not going to frustrate myself trying to figure every last thing out. I'm just going to accept it as part of something God has allowed into my life. And so it just becomes clearer. Now, I mentioned last Sunday night, one of the things that I've been doing recently that has been a tremendous help to me, and I've been doing it for the last 23, 24 days. Every night before I go to bed, I'm trying to read one psalm. Turn the TV off, get my Bible, and just read a psalm. Now, this is in addition to my normal Bible reading, but I just felt led to do that. And last night, about 11 o'clock or 11.30, I turned the lights out in my house. Well, I had to turn the light on to read, but I turned the TV off and some other lights off. And here I am, got my Bible, and I'm reading the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and so on. And so I read those six verses before I went to bed. And I thought, God, there's not a better way to end a day than to read this particular 23rd Psalm. It's a great Psalm. Got in bed, went off to sleep. And I've just been doing this for 23 days, and I've even missed two or three nights in the, in the last three weeks. But there's been something about doing that that is even making my mind clearer and sharper. And it's like I'm able to hear from God a little bit more easily. I'll give you a silly example of something that happened. Saturday night is a week ago. I was coming home to my house about 7.30, and I was driving down Space Center, and I put my blinker on to go left onto my, to the street leading to my house. And when I put it on to go left, the blinker bulb starts flashing 100 miles an hour. And you know that means your bulb's out, right? And so I thought, well, this is a fine time, you, you know, picked a fine time for this to happen because it's Saturday night, tomorrow's Sunday, I'm going to be next week getting this fixed. And I got home and I was just thinking about that. And as clearly as I know the voice of God, God spoke this, God said, go to Pep Boys up here on Fairmont, go to Pep Boys. I just heard that in my mind, in my spirit. And I should have just gone because I thought it was from God, but I got my phone to check and make sure they were still open. I'm sure God didn't appreciate that very much. But I, I just double-checking God, making sure he knew the time, because I thought they might close at 7, and it was 7.30. Well, when I looked it up on, the, on my little phone here, I mean, I'm telling you, the phone tells you what time Pet Boys closes. It's unbelievable. And it says it closed at 8 o'clock. And I thought, well, it's 8. It, now, it's 7.30. I got 30 minutes to get over there and wait in line. And, get, and God said, go. The longer you stand here, go. Go to. I got in my car. I drove to Pet Boys, and I said, now, Lord, I think you've told me to go over here. But the odds of me getting in there in time and finding the right bulb and then finding somebody to help me, because you need a PhD in engineering to put a light bulb and a blinker bulb in your car. And so I got in there and there was a gentleman and I said, here, I need, a, he said, what kind of car do you drive? I told him, what model? I told him, he said, let me take you to the bulb. Took me right over there to it, said, this is the bulb you need. I said, can you install that for me? And he said, so, absolutely. And so we went outside, and it's getting now probably 7.45 or 7.50, and I didn't want him to have to stay after working hours to do that. And, but anyway, he goes out there. He got the bulb swapped out, and I gave him a little, a little tip for doing He said, no, you don't need to do that. And I said, well, hey, man, anybody do that for me. This is worth more than, I think I gave him $7. It's worth more than $7. But uh, got back in my car, and it was before 8 o'clock, and I thought, that was God told me to go to Pep Boys. I mean, just to tell you how real God, aren't you thankful we have a God who even knows there is a Pep Boys? <laughs> I mean, you talk about a relevant God. I mean, back in Old Testament, even New, there was no Pep Boys in the New Testament. In the, but I'm saying God knows what world we live in and if he needs you there. But I'm just saying, it just was so very clear to me 
what I needed to do. And so if we walk in the light, there's going to be less confusion. The decision-making process is going to be easier. And then a third thing we're going to find in our life is less conflict. Let me just read you a scripture. Jot this down. But in 1 John chapter number 2 and verses 10, 11, listen to this. The Bible says, he who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so Jesus said, if you walk in the light, you're going to love people. If you walk in the darkness, you're going to hate people. Better, another way to say that, not a, not a better way, but another way to say that, if you walk in the light, you're going to have less conflict in your relationships. If you walk in darkness, you're going to have more conflict. And so it's just another benefit of having a relationship with Jesus that is so real that it changes everything about your life. It's not just theology. It's not just what do you believe about dispensationalism, or what is your view on the end time, or how do you understand the role of the church in the 21st century? All those things are important, and they have a place, but I'm just talking about your relationship with Jesus and how He can change everything, less conflict. Fourth thing that you can expect if you walk in the light is you'll have less coldness, less coldness in your heart. You know, one of the things that light does, it gives off warmth. You can always tell when somebody's walking in the light, when somebody clo- is close to Jesus, because there's a warmth about them. There's a graciousness about them. There's some endearing quality about them. They have a better personality. They're kinder. They care about you. They're, they're, they're great. I mean, they're, they're, there's a certain warmth. And conversely, you can always tell when somebody's maybe not that way. And I think there are probably times in all of our lives when we're warm and kind and loving. And there are other times maybe when we're cold and rigid and, and short with people. I know yesterday I was with a friend and we were running a couple of errands and we went to this one place and there was a lady there who was helping us. And I just got a I hate to say it this way, God forgive me for being just, but I just got like a bad, not a bad vibe, but she just didn't seem friendly. And so I got back in the car with my friend and I said, did that lady seem cold to you? Did she seem cold? She didn't know who we were at all, but I said, did she seem cold to you? And my friend said, no, she didn't seem cold. She just said, I think she was just very professional. And I thought, well, that's a lot better way to say it than cold. I mean, professional. But, and, and like I say, Lord, forgive me for judging, but I don't mean to ju- But I just, in my heart, I just thought, she doesn't seem friendly. She doesn't seem warm, doesn't seem gracious. And I'm sure there are times in my life when I'm the same way. But I'm saying this, when we're walking in the light, as he is in the light, then there's going to be a warmth about us because light warms a room up. And so we want to be a person that warms a room up, not somebody who's cold and frigid and distant and standoffish and making people feel nervous and making people feel like, well, he must not like me or she must not like me or he, he he wasn't glad to see me. I'm not saying every time you see somebody at the store or out in public that you can have a 20-minute conversation. You may, not even cons- you may not even say anything, but you can smile. You can wave. You can make them feel like you're glad that you saw them. And so you can have a little war- less coldness. And then the fifth thing, a benefit of walking in the light is less fear. You're not going to be as afraid if you're walking that close to Jesus. I'm convinced if Jesus Christ were on this earth in the flesh... And we could walk with him every day and see him that we would have a lot less fear. Now, I say that, and 
even as I say those words, I'm mindful of the disciples who had Jesus in the flesh, and yet they spent so much of their lives afraid. So maybe, maybe it wouldn't be automatic like that even for us. But it seems like to me if we could just see Jesus and, and know that He's, I mean, we do know that He's there, but if we could see Him, that we would have less fear in our life. But even though we can't see Him, if we'll trust Him, and walk with Him, and depend on Him, and just believe that He's there because He said He would be there, we're going to have less fear in our lives. Now, listen as I just read that list of benefits. These are the benefits of walking in the light. What does it mean to walk in the light? It means to have a relationship with Jesus that is so real that He changes everything about your life, your attitude, your actions, your approach to life, how you see life. Listen to the benefits of that. Less sin less confusion, less conflict, less coldness, and less fear. Well, we're going to have to stop right there for today, but those are some pretty incredible benefits that we experience when we walk in the light, when we walk in a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet there are those times in all of our lives when we feel like we're walking in the darkness. And uh, we're trying to walk in the light. We love God, and yet we go through things that don't make sense, that we don't understand, and we just think to ourselves, God, how could you have allowed me to end up in this mess that I'm in right now? And God, we just say, it's like I'm walking in the dark. And yet, that's just how life works sometimes. Now, there's a verse I want to leave you with today. It's in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 50, and verse number 10. And listen to what the Bible says, who among you fears the Lord? Now, if we were in a church service right now and I was preaching, I might say, if you fear the Lord, raise your hand. And then the next question says, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Now, isn't that a strange thing to say? After the question, who among you fears the Lord? And then after the question, who obeys the voice of his servant? You would expect the next one to be, who walks in the light and has no problems. But that's not what it says. It says, who walks in darkness and has no light. Friends, sometimes all of us walk in the darkness. That is, as we're trying to follow God and we're trying to walk in the light, we walk through dark circumstances, confusing things in our lives that just don't make sense. And this verse says it is possible to fear the Lord It is possible to obey the Lord and at the same time to be walking in darkness. We could almost say it this way. It's possible to be walking in the light in the sense that you're walking with Jesus, you're obeying God, there's no unconfessed sin in your life, and yet circumstantially you're walking in the dark. And somebody listening today is more than likely in that exact situation. You love God with all of your heart. You're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. But nonetheless, you love God. You fear God. You seek to obey God. You're trying to serve God, and yet circumstances have gone dark, and nothing makes sense. And that's why this verse says, Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Talking about circumstantial darkness. But listen to what the Bible says that person is to do. This is what you're to do today if you're in that situation. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. 
And so there are times when we have to trust God in the dark. Circumstances can go dark on us, and things happen that don't make sense. But in those moments, we have to make a decision, Lord, I'm choosing to trust you in the dark. And friend, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your darkness might be, but I know this. If you will trust God, He will give you a peace in your heart. He will give you a contentment in your heart, and He will give you the grace that you need to make it through this difficult and dark season of your life. If you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is living in your heart, I want to give you a chance today to to get that settled, to receive Christ. Would you just pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, Lord, and I trust you to do it. I trust you in the dark, and I trust you to lead me to the light. In your name I pray. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, God has heard you. God has answered that prayer. He's living in your heart, and he will guide you through this dark season that you're now facing. And one day, And hopefully one day soon, you'll begin to see some light and things will get a little bit clearer and you'll be able to move on just fine. I want to thank you for joining us today on Peace by Believing. I wish you'd visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. We have sermons to listen to, podcasts. We have booklets that you can read for spiritual growth. I think that'll be a blessing to you and I hope you'll be with us next time.